Welcome to Sex Ed in the City with Drew and Dr. G. About health and sex education in today's modern classroom. Get an inside peek into the world of sex education and real life stories from teachers. Hosted by experienced educators Drew and Dr. G, each episode brings you an open and honest discussion about a range of topics related to health and sex education. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Sex Ed in the City with Drew and Dr. G. Excited to be back with you again on this beautiful Monday. We have a special guest with us today. Very excited to have Vito with us. I'll let Dr. G introduce her shortly. We will start off with our question of the day. Dun, dun, dun. This has not been rehearsed. Yes. (laughs) And we'll ask to both of you, um, what is an accomplishment that you are most proud of? Oh, Lord. Ooh. Well, I, for me, I'll go first so you can think a little more. For me, I think it's getting my PhD. Uh, I, like, I always wanted to, like, I just thought it would be so cool. And, um, you know, I'm the first one in my family to even go to college, let alone, like, have this much education. And so getting it and then also getting my PhD in the middle of a pandemic. Um, I'm really proud of myself for like sticking through it and yeah, I'm not so proud of the student loans that are attached to it, but <laughs> I'm really proud of it. Come Me, through, Honestly, no, which I feel like is bad, but like, I no, um, no, this is bad. Um, I get, well, I was going to say education, but she has her PhD. So now that's like, blah. But we're not, um, we're not I know. I it's I like, know. What's for so you? for me, actually, it's, <laughs> I'm a Virgo. I can't help it. For me, <laughs> I think it's more that I was, even though it's like a double, even though it wasn't a good ending, I'm happy that I was able to do my sabbatical, even though it didn't work out the way it was supposed to, but I'm happy that I made it happen. That was a very big accomplishment. And I manifested that for a year. So I made it happen. Wow. I'm really proud of that change in mindset for you. Right. That's a, that's right? a conversation for yes. another day, but yes. I'm really proud of that. Yeah. Drew. Yeah. I uh, I want to hear more about the sabbatical than in a second because that's something I want to do. And I'm sure our listeners are curious too. I'm trying to think. I think I'm going back to my college days when I was like very like sporty and athletic. I won't say it's the most proud thing of my life, but for the time, like making it to nationals and track and field was really cool and something I I did not expect. Um, I dedicated so much of my time in college. I feel like I like sacrificed a lot for that and be able to compete at that level and get to travel and like make friends um, was really cool, especially now that athletics, I still coach, but it just doesn't feel like I don't feel sporty anymore. Like I'm out like partying versus like doing squats at the gym, you know? But it's interesting that you use them that in the past tense, because when I how I see you is an athletic and sporty person. Mm. So it's interesting that you don't see yourself that way. Cause that's how I, like, if someone was to say, you know, list 10 characteristics of Drew, that's one of the things I would say. So it's curious that you're not thinking the same thing. I agree. Not yourself. Sporty spice. <laughs> <laughs> I she do not my feel. <laughs> she is the best. Oh my gosh. Wow. Oof. Also, uh, for those of you who don't know Drew, listeners he also has a six pack so <laughs> he is sporty well, <laughs> as as he, yeah he might not be uh seeing himself that way but folks he is very athletic he can still do a back tuck while he's partying so yeah <laughs> a lot of athleticism to do that so you are um yeah i was thinking of drew by the pool in miami i'm like really you're not athletic because <laughs> at whole look i feel like <laughs> That's an action right there. Yes. Oh my God. God, You're building me up. This is fantastic. (laughs) We need to do this more often. (laughs) Fine, listen. A little self-esteem boost in the morning. Well, we just went to uh, Rumble Boxing this morning to get a workout. Oh my God. Have you ever, do you know what Rumble Boxing is, Drew? I've done a boxing class in New York, but I don't think it was Rumble. Yeah. So it's just a fun boxing. I mean, it depends on the teacher, the kind of music they play. 
but it's like a really great workout. It's also a really great way to take out like some anger. Mm. I, I'm like, hoo, hoo, hoo. we're talking after how we like pictures someone that we're punching. Oh my gosh. Like the lights are low. So you feel like you're in a club, but you could actually punch people. Like I was like, <laughs> picturing them and I was like doing it so much harder and I was like yo I need therapy for sure but also I did such a good workout and because I got like all my frustration and then like I hit my activity goal by 905 this morning I'm like okay oh, I know five you already hit your goal maybe we need to up that a little bit <laughs> wait who did we picture when we were punching I was thinking that same thing I was like I would be picturing someone yeah do you want to share no, I don't want to share it out loud but um anonymous yeah anonymous I there's a certain former co-worker that I often picture really oh I know I don't picture her too we've lost you we've lost you um but I can't I can't um and I also think of like certain people that I've dated in the past are you okay? Did water come out of your nose? Dead. Oh, Dead. No, I'm good. This Just is how laughing. we know that we're good friends because you all know exactly who I'm talking about. And there needs to be no further conversation. Well deserved. Punched right in the face. I think I'd think of like Donald Trump or like any of the people in the political world at this point. Just like, oh my God, Ron oh. DeSantis. I can't. Oh my God. Did you see the meme that came out this week of him and he, but they put his face on someone's body doing this hilarious dance. Oh, oh God. I was dying. And shout out to my friend, Sheila, who is obsessed with getting a drag queen named Rhonda Santis <laughs> to be performing because you know, him his feelings about uh drag performers we're like we need someone to be in drag as Rhonda Santis <laughs> and so shout out to my friend Sheila who's like obsessed with finding someone to do that because that would be a great addition to the palace yeah for sure oh my gosh yeah I'm surprised that hasn't been done yet I feel like it might have been it we just haven't be. found it like I, we need to do some googling perhaps any listeners if you know a drag performer that goes by Rhonda Santis, please hit us up at drewanddrg at gmail.com so we can have you on the show because we would love to have you. So wherever you are, contact us. Um, I feel like I need to introduce V a little bit more. Yeah. So to our viewers, this is the amazing Vita Vaccaro, one of my closest friends. Um mm -hmm. Yeah, she is not only an amazing educator, we used to work together, but she also owns her own business called Glam V. And so just an all around amazing human, amazing businesswoman. So we're excited to have her here. She's visiting me in Miami this week. So, you know, a little gentle uh, persuasion to be on the pod <laughs> with us. <laughs> Lucky us. Happy to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. I'm like, okay, we already did our boxing. Now we're doing this first thing in the morning. I'm like, we really make shit happen when we're together. And like, we're really on point. So, and this is only day one. I just arrived last night. I'm like, all right, what else do we got for the rest of the week? We can do anything. <laughs> we're very good at making itineraries. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. You know, like when like good energy, like not to bring up energy, but you know, like just like people around you that just like make you like lift you up. I'm like, that's how I feel like we are. Hmm. Yeah, because you two were roomies or lived together in New York before this, correct? So you yeah. spent a lot of time together before you moved to Miami. Well, yeah. Also, when we lived together, we really never spent I'm time like, together. I'm like, yeah. She's mm. never home. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we really yeah, we, on that. Yeah, but um, we've traveled a lot together to many, many places. So actually, I don't like traveling with anyone but her. Um, so the wow. people just don't know. I'm very happy I'm because drag them. Yeah. they're out there just doing, I don't know, ridiculousness, yeah. foolishness. Oh God. We but we have the same that. travel vibe. So yeah, it's, it's, we, we're good travel. Buddies. See everything there is to see party until you cannot stand for one more second. And then you party for another little bit more <laughs> and then go shopping to make it all better. And then do some <laughs> relaxation. Yeah. And, and then massage make all the friends. Yes. Like oh, we do all the things. I just love us on vacation. Yeah. Oh. Vacation vibes are yeah. strong. You two are probably just chaos when you're other places. I can only imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Running around. 
Uh, plead the fifth. <laughs> I, mean, I can neither confirm nor deny <laughs> our travel personas. Oh my gosh, so bad. So what are we talking about today, Drew, my love? Heck if I know. Um, just kidding. We <laughs> thought it would be a good day to talk about like body image, self-esteem, beauty standards, things like that. Um, Vita, I had more questions for you. I guess I loved Rachel's Dr. G's introduction, but maybe tell us a little more about what yourself, like where you grew up, how you got to where you are, what you're all about at this moment. Okay. So I'll make it quick. Um, so I am from Queens, born and raised, clearly my accent that some people say I have. I don't think I have one. Um, my, uh, I'm a teacher, obviously. I own a salon with my mom. And I think that's kind of really like I've been her assistant since I was 11. So I've been in this industry forever. So when Rachel, when you were asking, oh, when we live together, do we hang out? I'm like, no, because I work seven days a week. So if I'm either working or I'm traveling, if I'm in New York, I'm working. And if I'm not working, then I'm on a plane going somewhere. So I don't know if it's the best balance, but it's worked so far. Um, so yeah, that's kind of it. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Quick. And you're and what you teach what marketing? Yeah. So I teach okay. marketing. So fashion marketing, um, like entrepreneurship. So I kind of I worked in the industry. So I worked in the beauty industry in corporate before I went to be a teacher. Uh, so now I just teach what I used to do. And it kind of is aligned because I teach entrepreneurship and I have a salon and I teach fashion marketing and I used to be the director of operations in fashion for fashion marketing. So basically what I did for my beginning of my career, now I just teach it to high school students. So basically the art of hustling, getting anybody to do anything. That's kind of my specialty. <laughs> and she will, she'll sell your own outfit. <laughs> Wait, why? what's happening? I already have this. <laughs> But you need a second one, yeah. just in case. Yeah, that's pretty rad. I think about the high school at Bard. I'm. I don't think we have like any business or entrepreneurship classes at all. Which I'm like, you know, just... I feel like it's so important. Of course, math and science and all yeah. those are important. I mean, to be honest, not just because you guys are health, but health is number one. Because without health, you got nothing. But after health, I feel like it's super important to know how to navigate in this industry. Like no matter what you do, you need to know how to market yourself. You need to know how to communicate. You need to know how to network. You need to know how to balance your checkbook. If, you know, in the old terms, you need to understand like business. And I don't know. I just think it's super important. Of course, the other subjects are important, but this is what you need to be successful in life. No matter if you're going to be, have your own business or be a doctor or whatever you're going to be, you need to know about money and finances and mm -hmm. marketing yeah we're not taught that right in school and depending on how your family you learned about money when you grow up oh my gosh I'm just like going through my own stuff with learning mm -hmm. about money and my relationship with money and yeah. uh, it's so hard and it's like these like um these scripts that we have about money in our life depending on how we grow up become these obstacles that we sometimes don't even realize we have um yeah like even like scarcity mindset and yeah. just yeah you know you don't know what you don't know and mm -hmm. it's you only know what's around you you know I thought that 26 percent interest rate for a credit card was great because it was out of 100 um until my father called me flipping out and embarrassed me in front of everybody at work and he was like what are you talking about like, I don't know I thought it was out of 100 I thought I was doing good and then you know yeah. so now I teach my kids that like the importance of paying your credit card on time and not getting one if you don't you know until you're really ready mm -hmm. just yeah that is so so valuable and something I really wish I would have had I feel like we're all just kind of figuring it out as adults because we really weren't taught it like my sister I think is in her early 30s I don't even know if she has a credit card and I'm just like Casey sorry Casey I love you but how do you not have a credit card like I'm the one giving you advice and I I know jack shit I know nothing wild yeah I mean I think it's hard with when you think it was so many people grow up with a scarcity mindset mm -hmm. because most people don't grow up wealthy and with money right so most of us are kind of like stuck in these pockets right I mean you know and there's so many different reasons why people are stuck in these pockets um but we learn about money from our parents and then it just sticks with us unless we're around others but we often like stick with people that are very similar to us right I was having a conversation with someone I was like well 
who are my, like all my friends were very, for the most part, very similar, like economic stats by ourselves. Not all of us, but most of Mm -hmm. us. And I'm like, oh, we're all just stuck in this little zone. (laughs) We need to like break out, you know, we're all just trying. Yeah, for sure. I think that's interesting part about one of my hardest adjustments in New York has been like, I mean, I love it. There's so many different people from so many different places. My own insecurity of everybody is gone. I feel like I meet is like from a big, like prestigious D1 school or makes a shit ton of money. Right. Mm -hmm. So I feel really, I think I feel most at home and most safe at first when I meet people like teachers, just because it's Mm -hmm. a little more similar some of these people I'm just like you are making two three times as much money as me like that's ridiculous in a good way but damn no I feel that I mean I grew up I mean we were on welfare and food stamps till I was probably in middle school you know single mom the kids Mm -hmm. all the things and so I feel very uncomfortable with spaces with very wealthy people um I have this like fear of them like finding out I'm like you know from a low-class family or something so I really struggle with that I feel very uncomfortable in those spaces and and not and the people could be very nice people or not nice people but it makes me very uncomfortable and something I like am still working through I tend to like gravitate to people that have like experienced that same thing of like growing up in poverty and what that is like um because it feels comfortable um as opposed to people that are like you know they're like oh we didn't have money but I'm like yes but you had they're like but I oh you know I all my clothes were brand name I'm like "Mm, all my clothes were used from a garage sale Mm -hmm. that's like a different level you know So it's something I still have to work on, even though I'm not in poverty anymore as an adult, it still affects me Um, because that's what I was, you know, those first formative years, that's what it was like. We're also, at least, especially like women are, I feel like are really socialized not to talk about money or their salaries at all. I don't know if you talk about this in like your classes, V. Just like I remember my old roommate Jen was very much like very direct about like how she make how much she makes and stuff. And she's like, Yeah, like women have always been like told like you're not supposed to talk about it or it's rude. And like men, it's okay to do that. She mm-hmm. was like very intentional mm-hmm. about talking about it. And that helped make me a little bit more comfortable with it as well. I appreciated that. Wow. I'm curious because you know, she's not American. I'm I'm curious how mm. being Australian uh, influenced her discussions about money as well. Because I wonder sometimes how much of it is like the broader yeah, American culture. True. I'm not talking about money. Obviously, like people have different ethnic identities, but this broader American culture of how we're taught about money. And I, I'm curious if we, uh, when you're Australia, when you're in Australia, you got to ask her how it might be different there. Yeah. I feel like it's the socialization too. Like men are supposed to show off and they're supposed to show how much money they have and they get respected by it. And then a woman is just, you know, either cocky or being a bitch or, you know, mm-hmm. like it's just like a different thing. Whereas like a strong woman is not mm-hmm. looked the same way as a strong man is. So we have to always kind of just like tone it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like oh, we were talking about this, like now that like we are where we are. So our education, our, our money, and, and it's like, but you got to lay low a little bit because that's a little bit overwhelming. People don't want to, you know, a know-it-all. And we're obviously know-it-alls because we really do know it all. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but it's like, you just got to lay low. So you don't want to say how much money you make. Like, so I'm very proud of my credit score, like super proud of my credit score. Like I am obsessed with it and I love it. Um, And it was really bad before when I had the, you know, the whole issue a few years ago. So now that my credit score is above an 800, I love yes, that. And I will good. tell everybody. I'm so proud. So of then, someone's like, you know what? You can't date a guy if they, you know, if their credit score is lower than an 800. And that's like so not my style. But I'm like, you know what? That's true. I'm like, that's gonna be the first thing I ask them. Can I please see your credit score and not like some <laughs> Photoshop shit? Like, I want to see your credit score because it's 800 and above. And like, that's so bad. You know what I mean? I'm like, I wouldn't really be like that. She knows. My, you know, they don't know how I'm above 800. But it's like, you know what? If I did the work to get there. And I'm proud of myself, but you think I'm really going to tell a guy that like, absolutely not. That looks horrible. Like, who do I like? That's just, 
I don't know. I wouldn't feel comfortable saying that. But to us and you know, to everybody here, it's above 800. I'm proud of myself. As you should be. That's fine. Very few people have. Yeah. yeah good for and, you. And do. Yeah. It's interesting how there's so much judgment associated towards ourselves, towards others with a credit score that is arbitrary and really fucked up. Exactly. Yeah. A made up score. Yeah. Yes. That only matters. It only matters when you're buying a house or buying a car or like some huge financial purchase. It doesn't, like your credit score does not mean anything about your worth as a person, but we have, we have, what is it? Soak that in the brain. And like in other places, there's not credit scores, but that is very wrapped up in like, the American dream and capitalism and, and all of those things that are in this broader culture that we have in our country. But yeah, it's so ingrained in us that our credit score is like, has some inherent value on who we are as a person. Like we're bad if our credit score isn't 800 or that must mean we're lazy or we've done something wrong or mm-hmm. whatever. But there's so many reasons people have different credit scores. And at the end of the day, it actually doesn't have okay. any bearing yeah. on if you're a good yeah. person. Like, Great, you have some people have an eight thirty. Great, but are you a dick? <laughs> like, are yeah. you? Well, are you a good person? It's but it, this is something that's like ingrained in us to like soak in. Well, like I was thinking of my credit score, and then like when you weigh yourself on the scale, another thing where it's like okay, like you know, like mm. numbers. So like it's all about numbers for me, and I'm like okay, I got from this to this, and I had to do this to get there. So okay, the scale I did from this to this, and I had to do this to get there. Like for me, like it's like it's my own, like not competing with other people. It's like the own, my own competition that I have with myself. And once again, what does it matter? The scale, what does it matter? Your credit score, but mm. those are the things that like motivate me. Well, and that's such a good metaphor because a scale is yeah. just another fucked up measurement yes. that tells us if we're good mm-hmm. people or not. Right. Like we have, a, I mean, there's not a person that doesn't have some type of body image issues, you know, like there's not a person that doesn't have something they're insecure about. And we made this like number on a scale, the all important thing, but it's so arbitrary because like literally muscle weighs more than fat, period. You're taller, you're short, like it's so arbitrary. And it's it's so, we've done this disservice by like making it like a, all about like a number. We've made it, I mean, it's, it's instituted within our policies. Mm-hmm. In Like I always talk about, for those of you who don't teach in New York City, they do, we do what's called the fitness gram, which is like fitness testing once a year. Every grade has to do it, it has to be reported to the state. And they do things like, uh, what's that little run called? Run the 10 minute mile that I have PTSD from freshman year of high school. Trauma. Because we had to run. Trauma. I don't yeah. know if they still do that, but it was bad. It's called the the pacer. Pacer. Yeah. pacer. They do like sit-ups, push-ups, but they also do a... They weigh you on the scale and they take your height. And what they then do is they calculate your BMI and that BMI gets sent to the state. And then your school is like, oh, this many people are, I'm talking in quotes, like healthy weight or overweight. Like it, it, so it's really baked into policy, which is the fucked up part when there is, we know that weight is not a determinant of health by itself. And the fact that we're still using BMI as any type of main measure when it's scientifically proven to be inaccurate, like, it's like, we know it's wrong. We're still doing it. (laughs) Like what? Like it just, like BMI was used to measure like European white men. It didn't factor in any other gender any other race, any people from any other part of the world, like you can't measure, like the fact that we're still using it, especially in schools is just absolutely ridiculous. How about how they teach like the healthy plate? I don't know what it's called. I don't know your terms. Yeah. that's what But, it is. and it's like all this dairy that's in it. How about all the people that are lactose intolerant? Yeah. How about like, especially our like students and our population? Yeah. So you're saying that they have to eat this and to pass the test they have to say that it's this much but no I cannot have that yeah I feel like it's just Mm like catered to one demographic one population Mm -hmm. and we have to all memorize it because this is what's right and if we're not doing it then it's like not only are we not going to pass the test but we're not doing what's right for us why is that right for us yeah it's not culturally responsive education right it's like those terms first of all 
we know that many other countries like typical diet is way healthier than an American yeah. typical diet. And yeah, even me. So I haven't ate, I didn't eat dairy for a month because I'm having some like medical issues. We will talk about another product, another episode, but I didn't eat dairy for a month. Cause like, I need to see what's going on. And then I had dairy for the first time on Friday. My stomach has been wrecked since, and you know, Jews and Black Americans are have a higher rate of lactose intolerance than other ethnic groups. And like, I should know that, but like, I there's a marked difference in how my body feels from not eating dairy for a month. And that sucks because I really love cheese and I really love ice cream. I'm going to be honest, but like, my, it's so wild. And so we're telling kids... You, or you can't eat rice, but like, that's part of like their cultural like yeah. food, which is, it's not about the rice. It's about the processed food that has all the shit in it. Cause it's been sitting in a freezer for so long. It's not about, and rice is better than pasta. It's gluten-free and they don't even realize it's gluten-free if that's your thing, which is, yeah. and gluten isn't bad. It's just the bad, it's bad in America. Cause when I'm in Europe, I eat all the gluten. <laughs> yeah. It's not the gluten. It's how we yeah. process food yeah. specifically in this country, in our industrialized yeah. food complex mm-hmm. period. End of story. That's why we have all the cancers yeah. and there's multiple researches studies about this, like over years of time. Yeah. Cause people are pinning it to like your weight and stuff mm-hmm. like that the term like overweight comes from being like over a certain weight in BMI. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you're asking like over what weight, right. Oh yeah, exactly. Or like obese is considering a stigmatized term underweight in general. We spend a lot of time focusing on these people in bigger bodies and we automatically make the assumption that they're bigger, they're unhealthy quotes. But in reality, I think a lot of the data is showing as well that these people in like smaller bodies who are like restricting uh-huh. Um, also have a lot of health issues as well. And we really yeah. don't tend to focus on them as much. But we um, put, we've, society puts this moral judgment on, mm-hmm. on the size of your body. Like you are thin, so therefore you must be good. And maybe you are a good person, but maybe also you're not, right? There's this moral attachment to body well, size. Um, and then assumptions about health and assumptions about what we're able to do um, based on our body size. And then we teach that to our young people Mm -hmm. as like fact when it's not fact, there's like study after study showing that it's not. And then from a business standpoint in marketing, who are they showing? So I'm like, Mm. it's it's so much more inclusive now, obviously, but you know, like growing up in the nineties, but like that, like certain look and you had to be tall and you had to be flat and you had to be like perfect. And it's like how it's evolving. And even now when like in marketing, when I teach it and we look at like different ads and different campaigns and around the world and what people are doing. And it's like, it makes me happy because we see people like us and it's like, we're the what you see is what you're going to think is normal. What you see, because it's just over, you know, over and over, like the same thing with aging and like anti-aging. I have, a, you know, a whole business for anti-aging and Rachel makes, well, not makes fun of me, but it's like, you're not okay with this. And I'm like, no, I am not okay with aging. And I don't think people should be like, this is terrible. It's my own thing. It's not anybody else. <laughs> and it's like, what do you mean? So someone's like, well, you know what the opposite of aging is death. And I'm like, all right, but I don't want to die looking old. And they're like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, no, because it's like marketing. And it's like, it's what I do. It's what I sell. But then it's like, you know, and like, I was talking with my mom about it because we love to just make people feel happy and make people feel good. And this like client came in and her skin looked amazing and like it cleared up. And mom's like, you know, I just love to see people smile and, you know, make them happy. And it's like, that's what we're doing. It's not like, oh, you know, aging is terrible and you look bad and you can't have wrinkles. No, we're, you know, it's normal. It's natural. But it's like, I think the goal is to feel good in your own skin. So whether that is having wrinkles or not, whether that is being a certain size, whether that's a certain weight, it's like, you just have to have peace with yourself. And if you don't have the peace with yourself, you're you're never going to be okay, you know, because you're constantly looking for this outside external validation mm-hmm. where it's like you just got to be okay with what you have and if not then work on it you know it's but it's not easy I get also so yeah. hard yeah. Be okay with yeah. who you are like that's yeah. like I would say I would like be so curious how many people would say like I'm I'm good with the way I am I love the way I look like yeah. I love my body right um that's so interesting because I mean yeah the whole thing about aging is is fascinating that's a whole topic on itself 
I'm, I'm a firm believer though. Like if you let people do what they want to their, to their bodies, as long as they're not harming anyone else. But like, I guess I'm just wondering if these people are thinking about like why they're doing it. Like, are you getting, I don't know, a nose job because it makes you feel better or because you think it looks ugly because of society standards. And I think it's, it's all intertwined. It's fast. It's fascinating. You know, I had this epiphany, oh gosh, maybe about three, four weeks ago. So I, I'm, I, in a dance studio and I, I, you know, I dance and go there and there's a woman there that I'm not sure how old she is. She's definitely had some work done on her face. I would say she's pushing 70. Okay. That would be my guess. It's sixties closer on the 70. She said something that just really, I, it made me have an epiphany. So she was telling me about how she did two spin, like we're at, getting ready to have dance class. She was like, well, this morning I did two spin classes in a row. I'm like, wow, that's a lot. You're really in shape. She's like, yeah, but I want to be skinny. And I was like, at her age and she's fit. She's like, t- she's tall, Eastern European, like fit vibe. And she looks fabulous. But she still at almost 70 years old was doing two spin classes and a dance class, not because she was like, oh, I love spin. Not, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not, not because, oh, I'm training for a thing. She was like, because I want to be skinny. And I was like, I cannot. I do not want to still feel that way about my body when I'm 70. It's hard enough that I'm almost 46 and I'm still picking myself apart at moments. I'm like, I cannot continue this life forever. I don't want to be almost 70 being like, oh, I want to be this. I want to be that. I just want to be like free in myself. And it like, it not only broke my heart for her, but it just like punched me in the face, almost like, Rachel, you got to get it together with these body image issues because I cannot, like, I cannot continue to be so hard on myself because I do not want to be 70 still talking about, but I want to be skinny. Yeah. Yeah, Fuck being skinny. Like I'm never going to be skinny. I have a fat ass and thick thighs. And it's always been that way. Even when I was my tiniest, most in shape Mm -hmm. self. And I, she just really struck me when she said that. And I was like, wow. It was just like so deep. That's like how I feel like that's a perfect example of like how deep these messages run through us. Like Mm -hmm. people are like done with work and they can do whatever they want. They could have all the resources and they choose to spend or sorry, I didn't say choose. They're like indoctrinated almost into this. Like, I want to spend my time. I want to spend my mental energy. I want to spend my money on fitting this standard because these people get so much privilege in our society, right? We treat them so much better than people who are, like people we would perceive as bigger bodied or fat or quote unquote lazy or things like that. Like, I don't blame people for doing this, but it is sad. It makes me sad. Yeah. The first thing I heard when you said seven years old and doing a dance class, I'm like, damn, her knees are that good that she's still doing classes. I'm thinking this is going to be like a happy ending story. And I'm like, wow, she's doing, and then you said spin. I'm like, wow, she could do that. Like, that's like a goal. That's like my idol. And then it's like, but she's doing this because she doesn't feel happy with herself. And if I'm 70 and not happy with myself, like, how do you expect these like kids that we teach are like 17 that are going to be happy with themselves when you're like 70 and you're still worried about how you look? Of course, at any age, you should take pride in yourself. You should want to be healthy, but it's not for her to be healthy and for her to keep her knees going. It's like for her to be skinny. Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah, we say that, when I'm 70, but I'm damn near 46 and I'm still having the same conversations with myself. And I'm like, fuck. Um, And like, also like, what is healthy? Like, right. This like whitewashed version of what healthy means Mm -hmm. or what is, what is actual health? If we ask people around the world, what health means to them, we'd get very different answers. Like one thing I noticed living in South Africa is going out and seeing how women specifically dress and look fucking gorgeous. And in the US, people will be like, oh, that person needs shapewear. And I'm like, well, why? Because we can tell that someone has a belly button or like, because we can see like a skin and, 
And there's just a very, I remember one time I was talking to a good friend of mine in South Africa and she was like, ah, we were talking about something. She was like, wow, there's a lot of self-hate coming from you right now. And I was like, oh. and she's not wrong, right? Cause she just has a different, she's from the global South and not the United States, right? So her view set and mind about her body and like what health and what a body is supposed to do and look like is so different than what we have here. That's an important distinction, right? Our beauty standards and the way we look at bodies is not how the whole world looks at it. And I, I, there's so many countries, parts of the world that probably have a lot better relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, Americans think that our way is, I'm not saying this about myself, but Americans in general tend to think like our way is the best, like, yeah. and other people should be doing that, but which is complete bullshit. And it's the pressure on women because I don't know, do they have spanks for men? Because I've not, I, maybe they do, I don't know. But it's like women have to have this, women have to do this. And the men are just like, oh, they're with their big old belly looking cute and we like it. You know, they have gray hair and that's like, oh, a silver fox, men look good. A woman with her grays coming out could be good. I don't, my mom's a colorist, so I'm impartial to it. So I don't want to put my own, but this is my own thing that it's like, oh my God, if my gray hair is showing, like, absolutely not. You can't do that. That's terrible for myself. But if a man, like, I would love a man that has gray hair. That's sexy as fuck. Like, but not for me, you know, like, (laughs) exactly. But it's like, like norms and it's not okay. Well, yeah, we think about like other genders and other, you know, we talk about it a lot about women and that is definitely true. I'm not taking that away, but I think there are a lot with men and other genders as well. I mean, Andrew, maybe you could speak to this a little bit about uh, in the gay community and especially like a lot of my gay friends and like bodies and having to look a certain way and and different, you know, uh, different ways that gay men express themselves with if they're a bear or a, a twink or like all these different things and the bodies that go with that mm-hmm. so I'm curious from your point of view what you've seen about like body image specifically like in the gay community yeah I don't think I <laughs> was like <laughs> until getting to New York and being a part of more gay people I don't think I ever looked at my body or cared about it as much as I did mm-hmm. and I say care about it but just like tried to shape it right mm-hmm. so yeah I noticed that a lot just like people it's like over exercising obsessive exercising um just like yeah obsession with their body and how it looks versus like what it can do for you um a lot of steroid usage Mm. which I don't think I was really I knew as much about just because I don't know and then you're like looking at people on Instagram and I'm like wow their bodies are big and like muscular and tight it's like oh people and then talking about it and people like oh yeah they're using steroids and you don't know that so you're thinking like my body can look like that but in reality I would have to be doing something else and I come from a place of privilege like I'm I'm pretty thin like I have good genetic good quote genetics but yeah so much insecurity I feel like Mm. yeah I I in high school I was a cheerleader um and I was a good 70 pounds smaller than I am now I was tiny and I was still one of the big girls like when we had uniform tryouts I had the biggest uniform and so my like thing started there and then I didn't my body image issues really started in college because I started getting into working out because I thought it was fun. Like I became a fitness Mm -hmm. instructor and my body changed. Um, but I got like really fit and I started getting, um, attention from men that I had never really gotten before. Now that attention from men was probably about some other things that I didn't realize, right? So me coming into my own and just like being more confident, but I read it as I'm getting uh, attention from men. And so my body image really came into like during that time. Um, And then, you know, gaining weight as I get older from, for like a variety of reasons, it's like really struggled with my own body image and my own confidence because I often equate my self-confidence with how my body is looking which is ridiculous I have three master's degrees and a PhD and I'm over here not confident because I'm not the same size I was in high school 
Like, what the fuck? I'm 46. I'm going through menopause. I'm not going to be the same size I was when I was 15. Mm-hmm. But it's so wrapped. My confidence is so wrapped up in my body. And I hate that because I feel like I got to get over it because I can't be like that woman at dance class. I can't. <laughs> like, I got to, like, work my issues out, you know? I almost wonder, like, and I don't mean to, like, say, how do I say this? It feel like it's always going to be something in our minds and it's just something we learn to live with. Like, I, I don't know for myself, I see a day where it's like, oh, I don't feel this way anymore. And I'm like done feeling that way. I feel like it's always there. And we're just like, okay, these are the messages I'm getting. Like, I don't need to do like just learning to live with it. And it's so it's everywhere. And, and that's kind of why I wanted to go with Vita. Like you, you said you talk about like beauty standards and stuff in your, in your classes. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, of course. So so it's, I mean, marketing, it's all about getting someone to want something, something that you turn, turn a want into a need and make them feel like they need it so bad that they're going to get it no matter what. So it's like when you're picking who a model is or what it's for, or the words that you're using, you know, like even me in my personal that I have my salon and I sell skincare, that's what we do. And it's like, there's a certain standard and a certain image that we are trying to always achieve. And there's always something new that's coming up. And like, when you look at um, like they showed like the golden girls, they were in their forties or fifties. They look like they were like in their eighties, you know, like now the standard of women in their forties, how they look versus when I was like, and I would tell my mom when I was younger, like when I get older, I'm going to have to cut my hair because older women have like short hair, you know, like your aunts have like short hair. So I was like, mom, when do I have to cut my hair short? And she was like, what? And I'm like, I, these are the things I think of like, okay, when am I, when am I going to be old? And it's like, I wasn't okay with it. And like, when I talk to my students, it's all about like, not putting my own like bias, you know, on them. And it's like letting them see big picture and letting them like, just kind of feel comfortable. and like, okay, so you're like, what's the narrative? Like, you're able to change this. Like, you're going to be the ones that are going to be, you know, in the industry. Like, what do you guys want to see? What makes you feel happy? And like, what I do love about our kids is that a lot of them are so confident. And I'm like, damn, like they will wear anything. They will do anything. And I'm like, I was telling my mom recently, I'm like, it like makes it brings me joy to see how like innocent and happy they are and they're not worried about any of this bullshit because they're just loving themselves and who they are and it's like of course it's not everyone but mm. there's a good amount of them that are and like me and my cousin talk about it all the time like we'll see a picture and I hate pictures of myself and I I'm always like super critical super I judge myself like crazy my whole life and I'll see a picture and I was like damn I actually look good I wish I knew I looked good that day I would have had more fun Mm -hmm. but I didn't know that I looked good because I wasn't the size that I was supposed to be or my hair was frizzy and she knows how I am with my hair and like I have such hair like my hair but if I would have just let my hair be the way it was supposed the natural way and if I would have just like I would have had so much more fun you know or then there's other ones you're like damn why didn't someone tell me I look that bad like there's both of them (laughs) you know like I'm like fuck I went out like that like I thought I looked good like that lip liner like no (laughs) no so it's like both sides you know so it's like I feel like as like education like not letting our own like issues go on um and then like for me like with my clients and when I'm like talking to them they're like oh my god you're like so motivational you're like so in-. and I'm like yeah like that's deeply who I am like I have a certification in positive psychology like that's my favorite thing like I love to uplift and that's genuinely who I am you know um and I like to see transformations for people but it's hard because when you're seeing all of this outside shit and everyone's telling you well you don't look like this so you don't have this and you don't you know it's like okay you could tell me I'm so amazing, but I know I'm horrible. And it's like, no, you know? So it's just like breaking mm-hmm. that down. Um, like marketing, but psychology, like mm-hmm. I love psychology. That's my favorite thing. Um, and just getting them to really like shift how they think. Um, and like, I don't know what's important. That was a long-winded answer. I no, like no I just, so much for that. I didn't know you had a degree in positive or certification yeah. in positive psychology. Yeah. Fascinating. Yes. Yes. It was amazing. I loved it. That was, that's what I manifested going to Spain. Um, and that's when I had like my whole transformation. That's when we were living together. Mm -hmm. I was like living my best life. Mm -hmm. And like, I hate that term, but I truly was. And like, now when I think about it, I'm like, I was living my best life life. And I really was. And I was like, just, I was like in flow. Like I was exactly where I was supposed Mm -hmm. to be. And I made it happen in like the best way. And I think that 
the whole purpose of that was to teach other people that you can make things happen, you know, and like my kids around me and just like being an example for them and for myself that like, you know, just make it happen. You could do it. We can do it. You kind of have to believe that you can and then make yeah. it happen, which I think the first step is most people probably don't even think that they can or they don't think it's a real possibility. Yeah. Even at my fucking age, I just had this conversation with Matt last week and I was like, oh yeah, I can do that. Why do I think, like what, like what? Like, like sometimes I feel like other people put me in a box, but I put myself in a box and I'm like, hello. But you know, I mean, it's growth, right? We're also like at this developmental stage of our lives where we're like thinking about our lives differently and what have we done and what do we want to change the rest of our life, right? It's called middle age for a reason. Uh, I know Drew, you're a little bit behind us, but like it's called that for a reason because it's a time to like reflect and have you lived and is that how you want to continue to live? And like it's an, I'm living to at least a hundred because I want to live a century. So that means I'm almost halfway there. So there's some things I want to change the second half. You know, and it's that time we start reflecting and thinking about it. And I don't know. I th- I think I also I really um I there's some women in their fifties that like are famous that I follow that I really admire, and I'm trying to like focus on those women rather than like following like twenty year olds because I'm not going to think and feel mm-hmm. the same way as a twenty year old. No shame, right? Everyone has to go through their life and their journey, but I'm not at that life anymore. You know. Well, I need a famous friend. So can you be that famous 50 year old? Because <laughs> I need that on my roster. So, and you're like the smartest person I know. So can you that should happen because like, I need some smart friends. Like, come on, that like are, you know, like, and she's the like smartest one I know. So it's your, it's up to you, yeah. girl, to make this shit happen for us. Okay. One of us needs a jet because this flying domestic is horrible. <laughs> Terrible. I am manifesting a jet or some shit because I cannot just fly like regular people anymore. I can't. It's just not okay for my peasants. <laughs> Wait, where did you fly to Miami on? One time I went on Spirit and I thought oh. my life was going. I Hell no, was- you have to bring your own folding chair. No, 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 no. I already have enough things to carry. I cannot carry my own seat. Um, absolutely not. But, and I'm not trying to sound like an asshole, but I flew on JetBlue. First of all, five hour delay. Second, the TV wasn't working. No Wi-Fi and nothing to plug your outlet in. So my phone was dead. I was staring at the ceiling wanting to jump out of my skin. Hence why I need a jet. I would have been much happier. You're so funny. Or... <laughs> Oh or Rachel really wants to tell me about myself, but she's not because the cameras are rolling. I'm gonna get it. I already know it. Drag her. Drag her. Or we need to have the power of teleportation. So my nephew loves to play this game where he's like, he asks me every day, what secret, what superpower would you have if you could choose any one? And I choose the same one every time. But my sister's is always teleportation because like that would be amazing we wouldn't yeah. need to fly we'd just be like teleporting mine is to speak all the languages Ooh, we, we have the same one we have the same one. one we have the same one um what would your drew what would your superpower be i'm like could? i'm like tearing up because i feel like you read my mind i was thinking of questions to ask you today and that was the question that came up uh-huh. and teleportation was my answer and it was for that same fucking reason because i was like Imagine I could just like teleport into a vault and take all the money and leave or teleport to Miami to like do this podcast. Oh. You read my mind, you creeper. Oh, just, that was an amazing circle back. Oh my God. Yeah. Languages would be dope too. That would be so dope. I'm just so nosy. I want to know what everybody's saying <laughs> time. Well, see, we want it for different reasons. I want to communicate <laughs> well, with everyone. Obviously. She wants to be obviously. Nosy. But yeah. people are talking mad shit in other languages, and I want to know. And then also, I want to be able to communicate. Okay, but how do we know they're talking <laughs> shit? Maybe they're like, wow. they're looking at you, and I and yeah, I know maybe certain like, words. Maybe they're like, wow, that person's really beautiful. Rachel, um, shut up. No. Oh, I'm getting positive psychology. Yeah, I just want to know. People. Well, even that, I just want to know and I would love to know what people are saying. And I want to be able to communicate and ask questions. Like when I was living in Spain, not being able to speak perfectly, um, I felt like 
I had such a respect for people that come, you know, that don't speak English as their first language because it was so hard for me. And obviously in English, I don't shut the fuck up. But in another language, I was like, had to like think about my words and choose them. And then I felt like I sounded like not smart and like a three-year-old. And it was just so hard that I'm like, I had such a respect for our students, mm. um, even my parents, um, just everybody that, you know, yeah. that's not their first language. Um, there's a... Trevor Noah has a clip that he talks about, you know, to learn a second language, you have to be willing to look ridiculous because that's how kids learn. And for myself, like when I speak Spanish, I'm very self-conscious of my uh, accent and my grammar. Cause I wouldn't say I'm fluent, but I'm pretty good. I'll go to any country by myself and get around. I speak to people in Spanish all the time, but I'm very self-conscious of my accent and my grammar. Cause I know it's not perfect. Mm. And um, it wasn't until I lived in South Africa and I was trying to learn um, Isi Kosa, uh, one of the 11 national languages there that, uh, and my friends were like, you, it doesn't matter if you, how you sound like it's respect to, to um, be trying. And of course you have an accent. And I realized that Americans, we have this thing about accents. We place judgment on accents, right? You're not smart, right? Even like American, different American accents, you're from the South, you're not smart. Mm-hmm. Or if you're from another country, like you, you, you know, we, we place value on people because of their accents. And I had internalized that with myself speaking other languages. But that's actually not the truth. There's... I mean, I know many people that speak four or five languages and they're brilliant, (laughs) but because they have an accent, we're making judgments about them. It doesn't matter. I mean, even at the beginning, you talked about your accent. I know myself because I'm conscious of it. She's very self-conscious of her accent Um, Mm -hmm. because we've decided that people with a certain accent, this means that about them. Yeah. And I mean, we like as a society and it's a shame because so I, for me, I realized I had internalized that so much, even though when someone speaks to me, um, Eng- when someone speaks English to me and they have an accent, I don't judge them, but I am judging myself when I speak other languages. So it's, um, it's just another one of these things that markers we've decided to cast judgment on people for what? So I don't use the proper grammar when I'm speaking Spanish. People know what I'm saying. Just like I know people are saying when they're speaking English and don't use the proper grammar. Doesn't have anything to do with your smartness. Learning other languages is challenging, especially as an adult. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm obviously conscious of my accent um, and I'm always like super aware of it. But then I saw this meme on TikTok, um, on Instagram, because you know, that's where you learn everything. And it's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. before you judge someone with an accent, just know that like, they speak another language. Like, what about you? You know, yeah. so when people are like so judgy and especially like when you travel, every American, like English is like the way, you know, when everyone has to speak English and it's like, when you go anywhere in the world, of course they should speak English. Cause it's, you know, English. And it's like, no, how about the other languages? Like we're not better because of English. Yes. Some people know, but they don't have to know English, mm-hmm. but it's like, what about everyone else? Yeah. They know English, but they also know their, their main language. Uh, yeah. Whereas like Americans, I just feel like and that's the system and everything else but like other countries they're learning three languages by the time they're in first grade and in like you know america it's like english like that's the best language how about like they need to know german or chinese or mandarin or all these other languages that will really help them and then of course spanish because everybody speaks spanish that should be automatic yeah it's yeah for sure i wish i wish we i have so many flaws with the educational system here that would be one of my biggest complaints as well. Yeah. Why are we not doing more languages at a younger age? Not until ninth grade. Yeah. Then yeah. It's too hard at that point. I mean, my nephew is bilingual. Um, so because he went to Spanish immersion school until third grade, he only spoke Spanish at school. So he has he doesn't have an accent in English or Spanish. And so people, when they meet him, they're like, oh, are you the, you know, especially here in Miami, right? Um, everyone assumes that he's um, Latine of some sort. And they're like, no, he's just a, a white kid, but he speaks perfect Spanish because my sister was like, no, he will speak Spanish. And he had trouble when he first moved here because he had never spoke English at school. 
because he was in Spanish immersion, 100% Spanish at school. So when he came here, like they gave him a placement test, but he had never done school in English. So he was like, I don't know what they're saying. Like, I don't, I don't understand. So it took a little adjustment. Now he's fine. He's like in the gifted program and he's like amazing. But I, I really give props to my sister for making him. She was like, no, he's going to Spanish immersion since pre-K. He only went to Spanish speaking schools and he has like no accent. He's like, blah, blah, speaking to everyone. That's blah, blah, blah. It's, it's dope. And I mean, he speaks more Spanish than anyone else in our family. I mean, a couple of us speak Spanish, but he has this all beat by far. So valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I spoke Italian before I spoke English. So I didn't speak English till I was three. Um, and I was like, always chatting when I was little um some things are always the same but like my brother who didn't speak Italian the way I did now he doesn't know it as much as I do like I was the first one in my family so I can speak Italian now um and now I'm rusty so now because I'm around Spanish more so I'll say Spanish words before Italian words it's like all a mess but I can understand Italian or Spanish um because that was my first language so it's like it was just much easier I think it's super important yeah yeah damn I thought when I was at my old school, I used to like um, sit in the classes to try to learn because I had like some prep periods. So I'd actually go and like do all the stuff. I forgot I did that, but it was so fun. I loved, I think it's actually really fun to learn another language too. Yeah. And then being able to use it, especially with your students, friends, Mm -hmm. traveling. Yeah. It's really nice. It all, it feels like you accomplished something too. (laughs) I don't know if that's how it's supposed to feel, but it's like, wow, I I did this. This is cool. Yeah. And when you get to the point where, you're actually not translating everything in your head and you're just like speaking and like connecting, at least for me, connecting to people in other languages, like having an actual conversation. I'm like, wow, that was dope. And like, you know, I don't speak so many languages, but like Spanish especially has so many more like beautiful adjectives and way to explain things. Like our language is, English is very limited in like how it talks about things but like in Spanish it's like so colorful there's so many like descriptive words like when you read in Spanish you're like oh this is so like juicy and in English it's like it was <laughs> I don't know in English people yeah um, oh gosh wow well we have talked about like so many things today <laughs> like I love it in true fashion in true fashion but like how they're all related you know, they're all yeah. so related. It's all society's expectations and judgments. And in all those places, we often are judging ourselves harshest. So message yeah. of the yes. day, let's be kind to our fucking selves. Yes. Like, oh, My God. question to you, I have one more question for you, Vita, because okay. I know I'm like super protective of my time, like teaching and like coaching feels like exhausting in itself. And I need so much self-care. I'm wondering how you manage, because it sounds like you're doing something all the time. Yeah. But it all seems like you like it. Like, how do you, how do you navigate this? Yeah. I feel like that's like the, that was my word for this year was like balance, like how to find balance. Cause I do work seven days a week and it's not good. Um, but I also love it. And that's what brings me joy. So it's like, I, I don't, I'd rather be working. So I'm working on finding other things that bring me joy besides being productive um, because I love productivity and it's like my word, but I'm a Virgo and it's just how I, you know, and if you think I work a lot, my parents work more than me. And it's like, I'm a slacker compared to how they work. So it's just like ingrained in me back to society. Um, but for me, my self-care, I've been doing sound bath meditations, which I am obsessed with. It's so good. Um, I've been doing a lot of restorative yoga um facials and massages (laughs) those are my things that bring me joy so like if I could be retired what would I do I would give back I would do like all these amazing things but I would do like yoga every day and pilates and get a massage and a facial and I would obviously have a jet um (laughs) but yeah so like for me like restorative things like just to kind of like calm myself down because I'm going like 24 7 and it's like like everyone's always says like never not working. Like I'm really never not working. Mm. So just trying to like turn my brain off a little bit. And even when I'm getting a massage, like they know, like if any, if I'm in the salon getting a massage and if a client comes in or they need me, just come in, like my system will come in, the manager will come in and the masseuse will get so mad. She's like, you need to relax. I'm like, yes, but I also 
cannot, like, this is in 90 minutes that I cannot waste. Like if they have a question, I have to come in. And it's like, and that, and it brings me more joy to know that I accomplished something during my massage than just being relaxed, which it's, you know, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Um, but I think like, even now, like the fact that I made myself not me, like, came here, you know, last night and I'm in Miami for a few days before I have to be back at work on Saturday, like just trying to find balance and like surrounding yourself with people that are not like sucking your blood also. The right. Energy suckers cut them off. Yeah. Yeah. I've been working a lot on that. So protecting my peace, like what is health when you're like, what is health? Like what do people find? You know? So for me, healthy is not having pain and having peace. So of course, in my head, healthy is being skinny and for myself. And I have to detach from that because then that means I'm not healthy, you know? So it's like, for me, it's like not having pain because I have a lot of chronic pain and then just like protecting my peace, being calm, like that's health. Like, I feel like that's like wealth when they say like, what is wealth, you know, like is money wealth, but can money buy you health? Not really, you know? So it's like, for me, like just being healthy, mind, body, spiritually, not say, you know, bring that, but just like that calm, like Zen working on it. Props to you. Like all this stuff. I, I am very, I've never really worked during the summer except like at the beach. So like here you're doing it seven days a week. I'm sure your days are like endless. You still seem like lively and happy and put together. Kudos to you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, anything else, Dr. G? What's on your mind? No, what are you thinking? No, I think what a great session this was today. I'm Loved so it. glad we got together. Always feel good after these. Yeah. Except now I have to go to therapy, which I'm like, oh. oh. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be is, amazing. Is it? I mean, yeah, you know, they'll have a whole train ride to think about it. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, thanks for joining us today. We'll see you on our next episode. And we're... Wishing everyone positive vibes and your own healing and non-judgment. Bye, Bye. everyone. Follow us on Spotify, podcast on Apple, or our YouTube channel, Sex Ed in the City. Stay connected. We hope to see you soon.